Longevity Lab podcast. Today, we're jumping into the foundations of strength training, which means we're going to cover a handful of topics, including what are the primal movements? What eight movements do you need to hone in on for optimal strength training? We'll also cover what is progressive overload, what's rating of perceived exertion, what's reps in reserve, and how do you use all of these ideas to make sure that you are doing the optimal strength training for yourself and for your goals. And then lastly, we're going to touch on intensity and volume. Which one is more important? Which one should you be focusing in on? So without further ado, let's jump into the episode where again, we're going to talk about the foundations of strength training and what you can do to make sure that you always maximize your effort. So let's start off with those primal movements that I mentioned at the beginning. So there are eight movements, or at least eight that I count for myself, some people might be slightly different, that are the main functional movements that we should master. And I call them functional movements because if we're good at executing these primal movements in the gym, that strength that we build in the gym is going to carry over to real life because we're doing primal movements. We're doing movements that humans are meant to do. So most good exercises will fall into one of these eight buckets. And there's variations of these exercises within those buckets. But basically, every exercise that is worth doing should at some point fall within this bucket. And so really, we don't have an unlimited number of exercises or massive list of exercises that are going to be super effective. We have a relatively short list that is going to be effective. And it's these movements and the variations on these movements that is going to be effective. So you need to repeat a lot of the same exercises over and over and over again in order to do strength training in a way that's going to work for you forever. Because if you get good at the skill of these movements and then you get good at progressing and getting stronger with these movements, you're going to get all the results you want both in the gym and, again, that carryover into real life, which I think is a little bit more important So let's jump in. What are these eight primal movements? Well, we've got the squat. We've got the lunge. We've got the hinge. We've got pushing. We've got pulling. We've got rotating. We've got carrying. And we've got walking. So that very last one, you should be getting your steps in anyways. So that one's really just going to come down to just simply walking throughout the day, prioritizing, getting your daily steps. You can do some walking as part of carrying, obviously. Like if you carry something around, you're going to walk. And that's an important piece in the gym is to focus on carrying something, doing like a farmer's carry or suitcase carry where you're carrying something only on one side, often not done uh, by a lot of people as part of their programming. And it is a smaller focus than some of these other ones, but that carrying and walking can overlap. We do want to make sure that we're doing both. And again, walking can be accomplished by just doing simply that and getting out for those daily steps. But one of our main lower body ones, our big lower body ones in general, are going to be squat, lunge, and hinge. So these are kind of our bread and butter lower body movements. Squats are obviously two-footed, sitting down as deep as you can go. Lunge is going to be more single leg, so in that split stance. 
And then the hinge is a deadlift. Basically, a hinge is bending at the waist and maintaining good posture throughout while bending at the waist. So all of these movements you're going to do at some point in your life, in the real world. And again, that's what we want to build strength for. And then they have variations on each of these. So squats you can do with barbells, dumbbells. You could do them in a goblet hold. You could do them in a suitcase hold. You can do box squats. You can do elevated single leg squats. You can do just normal single leg squats. Those variations are endless. Same with lunges. You can do your normal stationary lunge. You can move through space a little bit more by doing a reverse or a forward lunge where you're dropping back into a lunge or dropping forward into a lunge and then coming back to feet together. You can also do lateral lunges, which is super important to get that change of direction in there. Or you could even do walking lunges. You add that walking piece into it and you change the dynamic game a little bit by taking those lunges from more stationary to walking. So lots of variations within the lunge. And then the same thing with the hinge. You know, you can do your standard two-legged deadlift. You can do a single-leg deadlift. You can do somewhere in between, which they call B-stance, where it's really just most of your weight on one side. So you can do a bunch of different variations of each of these three. And again, these three, squat, lunge, hinge, are going to be your primary lower body movements that we want to focus in on. From there, we have push and pull. So these are obviously opposites. Push is going to work the front of your body, primarily your chest. Pull is going to work the back of your body, primarily your back. But we want to be doing variations of these, and these are going to come with different directional variations as well. So with both of these, you can push and pull horizontally, which would be like a chest press or a horizontal cable row, something like that. We can also do that vertically. So with pushing, it would be an overhead press. With pulling, it would be more like a pull-up or a chin-up. But again, that gives us a lot of variety to do different variations on these movements. With pushing, you can not only do horizontal or vertical, you can use barbells, you can use dumbbells, you can use bands, you can do single-arm stuff, you can do two-arm stuff. You have tons of options within this, and the same goes for pulling. We can do vertical stuff like pull-ups and chin-ups. There's also lat pull-downs, two-arm, single-arm, and then we can do all those horizontal pulls as well, like barbell rows, dumbbell rows, single-arm dumbbell rows, single-arm cable rows. We have a lot of different ways to mix these up, as you guys are, I'm sure, starting to understand because I sound like a broken record at this point talking about variations. But again, we want variations of these main bucket, these big overall movements, and so those are ways that you can mix them up a little bit but again, every exercise that's worth worth anything, really, is going to eventually come back to these big buckets. And so if we can do variations within these big buckets, we're going to have very effective workouts. And then the last one to touch on is rotate. We want to be able to rotate our body against resistance and maintain safe position without injury. The body needs to learn how to do that. The most common way that people hurt themselves is by rotating. You twist the wrong way, you're carrying something, or you're sneezing at the time that you twist, and you throw out your back. So we want to learn how to rotate with our body in good, strong, safe position, but also do so with resistance so that we can do that then again in real life. So these, again, are the movements that are the broad overlapping umbrella 
that we want most of our exercises to fall into. And then we want to do variations of those. So just to reiterate, we've got squat, lunge, hinge, which is bending at the waist, push, pull, rotate, carry, and walk. And so now let's move into some terms that you may have heard, but we're going to learn how to apply them best for you guys. Because once you can get the right kind of program that focuses in on those primal movements, now these terms that we're going to hone in on, progressive overload, rating of perceived exertion, and reps and reserve, this is what's going to make sure that you can execute on your strength training properly and keep getting better. Because that's ultimately what we want to do. We want to take those eight primal movements, we want to learn the skill of doing them, and then we want to progress them ruthlessly. And that is what's going to allow you to build muscle, get lean, get stronger, feel great, and always work on improving your workouts. So let's start with that progressive overload. This is a really, really important concept. All it really means is you're doing more work. You're progressively overloading your work. You want to do a little bit more than what you did before in order to demand that your body changes. When your body experiences something that it has not experienced before, it's going to adapt. It's going to try to adapt to that newest stimulus of whatever it is that it hasn't done before. So the easiest ways to influence progressive overload, the two most common, are going to be doing more reps or doing more weight. So if you do, and let's say we're barbell squatting and you're at 135 pounds last week and you did 10 reps... Well, if you do 11 reps the following week, you've just done more work. You've asked your body to do more and adapt to more. The same thing could be true with weight. So maybe instead of going up to 11 reps, you go up to 140 pounds and you do 10 reps again. You've still done more because the weight went up. And so you're asking your body to become more resilient, to become stronger, to handle that load or to handle that reps. And so it's important to understand here too that total volume is reps times weight times set, the number of sets. So that gives you your total work volume, the total amount of weight that you moved over the course of your workout. And progressive overload very simply is taking that total volume and increasing it. And so since volume is reps times sets times weight, Those are the three easiest ways to manipulate progressive overload. And most often, you're not going to change your sets a lot. So reps and weight are what we really hone in on. And so each week, your job with good strength training is to fight to do more. If going up in weight a little bit is too daunting or you try it and it's just a little bit much to still try and get the number of reps that you are trying to get, then your goal should be to do more reps and add just one rep. Try adding one rep per set. Do what you can each week. Do your best each week. And we'll talk about what your best is with RPE and RIR. But can you do more each week? That's the goal. Now, there are other ways to get progressive overload. So don't think about these two being the only ones. They're just the most common. They're the most, uh, they're the easiest to quantify because we can see right in front of us. I went from 10 reps to 11 reps. I went from 135 to 140. So these are definitely the easiest, and they're also the sexiest, to be honest. Like, who doesn't want to just keep adding weight week over week over week? But that's also very unrealistic. 
like I've been lifting for seven, eight years now. And if I just linearly added weight week over week over week, I'd be lifting thousands and thousands of pounds right now. And unfortunately, I'm not. So there are other ways to progressive overload. One of those is getting better at the movement. Is your movement, the skill with it, getting more efficient, getting better, getting more range of motion? Like squats is a good example of that. If you're not progressing with weight, but you're getting deeper into the squat with the same amount of weight, you're getting better. So is your form getting better? That's a form of progressive overload. You can also manipulate the tempo so you can slow down your movements. So a good example is that squat again. I guess we'll just keep using that. But if you take longer than normal to sit down into that squat, what is called the eccentric portion of the movement, often known as the lowering phase, the phase where you're not really working, you can progressively overload just by changing that tempo. So if it normally takes you a 1-1000 to sit down into that squat, we'll now go with the three second count. Slow that way down. You have a lot more time under the tension within the movement and the eccentric part while not while being the lowering and the gravitational does uh, ask demand a lot of work from you. But changing that tempo is another way to progressive overload. We can also change your rest periods. So if you're able to do the same the same number of sets and reps and weight, but you're able to do it with shorter rest windows, you're getting better. Your work capacity is getting better because you're recovering faster. And so you're able to do all that movement, all that work in less time. That means progress as well. So again, when it comes to progressive overload, the easiest things to focus on are, can you do more reps or can you do more weight? That keeps it super simple. It makes a very cut and dry where for, hey, last week I did X amount of volume. This week I did Y amount of volume. Y is more than X. I'm getting better. That's a great, really simplistic way to look at it. And simplistic does mean that there's some context missing. But again, if we had to boil it down to one number, that total volume sets times reps times weight is a great number to look at to try and judge. Are you improving? But again, we have other metrics for progressive overload. So if for any reason, your reps and your weight aren't going up like you you want them to, take a look at these other things. Is your form getting better and more efficient? Are you getting more range of motion? Are you implementing tempo? And that's why weight going up is more difficult. Or are you sticking to your rest periods better or your rest periods shorter? Is your work capacity better? All of these are forms of progressive overload. We just want to primarily focus on do more reps, do more weight. Fight for that every single week and you're going to get better. Now, I've already mentioned RPE and RIR. So what are those? RPE is rating of perceived exertion. This is just a subjective scale, 1 to 10, of how hard it feels like you're trying. 10 is going to be all out. I can't give any more effort. If you ask me to give more effort, I'm going to pass out and die. 1 is you chilling on the couch, not moving a single muscle, bonbons on your chest. Your RPE is going to vary depending on your programming. But mine usually falls between a, between a 6 and a 9. In terms of 6 out of 10, 9 out of 10. We rarely go to 10 out of 10, which would basically be considered true failure. But generally speaking, if we're just going to put broad statements on it, we want to be at about an 8 out of 10 during most of our working sets. And this is going to play into 
Repson Reserve, RIR, because they're basically opposites, if in a sense. So if your RPE is eight, your RIR, your reps in reserve, should be two. So you're kind of between that gap from eight to 10. But reps in reserve is how many reps you feel like you can still do with good form at the end of a set. So we're aiming for about two reps in reserve at the end of that set. We don't need to go to complete failure. We don't need to go to zero reps in reserve, that 10 out of 10 rating of perceived exertion. That, for most people, just causes too much stress. It makes it too hard to recover from the workout and actually can often make the workouts less productive. So we aim for close to that. We want to get within spitting distance of failure, but we don't need to go to failure. Not if we want to recover really, really well. Not if we want to continually progress. So both of these numbers give you an idea of where that should be. You need to get close enough to failure, and if not, you're not going to stimulate enough of an anabolic muscle-building message. You're not going to send as strong of a signal to your body if you're not getting close enough to that failure. If we're leaving five, six, seven reps in the tank, it's awesome that you're working out, but we need to do a little bit more to get the best results. But again, too much, going to be too much stress. So we use rating of perceived exertion and reps in reserve to gauge the difficulty and the intensity of your workout. Are you bringing that intensity up enough to a level that is going to get you the best results? That is typically, like I said, around an 8 out of 10 rating of perceived exertion. So you're about 80% of your max. With reps in reserve, again, that's about two. Two good form reps. So you should end each set feeling like, man, if I really got after it to the point where I was going to be borderline blackout and die, I would be able to get two more reps with good form. So once your form breaks down, that's also considered failure. So we do want to always stop short of form breaking down. But that reps and reserve gives you a great idea of how close to that failure you are. If you could only squeeze out maybe two more reps at the end of the set, then you know your intensity and your work volume and the amount of effort that you gave to that set was appropriate for building strength, for building muscle. So we want to use those two numbers to kind of dictate what we're aiming for within a program. So I always give these numbers to my clients, but we want to use them as that guide for, am I getting close enough to failure? Am I doing enough work? Am I trying hard enough? Because this is really, really hard. What, what took me a long time to learn was the importance of intensity, the importance of that rating of perceived exertion. Because a lot of us, myself included for a long time, we feel like we're trying really hard. And we are. We're in the gym. We're working hard. And so it seems like we're, we're doing enough. But then one day, you really question it. And you realize that you're not, not giving as much effort as you really could. That there's another level in there for you that is actually going to take you to that 8 out of 10. Yeah, you were working hard before. And that was great. But there was a little something missing. There was a little bit of extra juice that you were leaving in the tank. We've all done it. I've been there. And when I realized that, yes, I was working very hard, but there was another level that I needed to go to in order to get the real results that I wanted, it was a game changer. And I realized at that point that intensity 
is usually more important than volume. So again, volume is the number of sets that you're doing, the number of reps, the total weight that you're doing. Volume equals sets times reps times weight. So we look at this generally, broadly speaking, as the number of exercises you do, the number of sets that you do for them. So if you do three sets of back squats, three sets of dumbbell lunges, that's your leg workout, that's six total sets of volume over the course of the workout. Now, some people will just pile on with that. And they'll add leg extension and leg curls and calf raises, and then they'll do some body weight squats. And they'll add all these sets to their workouts to increase the amount of volume that they can do. When oftentimes what needs to happen first is you need to get your intensity in line. You need to get your RPE in line because guess what? You left a lot on the table with your squats and with your lunges at first before you went to leg extensions and leg curls and body weight squats. If you had just simply put the intensity into those earlier, bigger, more bang for your buck exercises, you would get better results than going and do on all that other machine work with a low effort. We want to maximize and be efficient with our effort. And that comes when we focus on intensity. And if you are at the correct RPE and RIR, your intensity will be high. And for most every person, that is enough to get what you want out of training. You don't have to do sets on sets on sets on sets to get results when you're training with appropriate intensity. So your intensity is going to determine the volume that you have to do. If you are willing to bring it, you don't have to do as much. If you feel like you want to sleepwalk through it, then you should probably do a little bit more volume to make sure that your body gets that stimulus. But intensity also gives us that mental advantage of knowing we can do hard shit and knowing that we can give our best effort while we do that hard shit. So I always prefer to focus on intensity over volume. We don't need to spend tons of time in the gym doing tons of different exercises for a lot of sets. We need to get in, we need to crush our workout, and we need to get out. Let's go get some results, let's get stronger, let's build some muscle, and let's go home so we can do other things. So do the work, put in full effort, and if you do that, you'll you'll be rewarded. And you won't have to spend nearly as much time in the gym to get the results that you want. So guys, that is the foundations of strength training. Again, we want to focus on our primal movements. We want to make sure that we're progressively overloading those primal movements and their variations. And then we want to make sure that our intensity is dialed in by honing in on rating of perceived exertion and reps in reserve. And if we do all of that, again, we're going to build muscle, we're going to get stronger, we're going to enjoy our workouts more, they're going to be more efficient, and you are going to get better results. So I hope this was really, really helpful for you guys. This is, again, breaking down the foundations of strength training, and I want you guys to go out there, put this into practice with something new that you learned. Let me know your thoughts on how it worked for you. I want to thank you guys for tuning into this episode. I really do appreciate all the support for the podcast so far and the great feedback that I've received. I just want to make sure with this that we are spreading a message that can help people that we can make a difference in the health and fitness and longevity for everybody out there. So if you enjoyed the episode, please do me one favor. Just share it. Send it to a friend. Post it on social media. Whatever can get the message out there that you enjoyed to other people 
that's what we're looking to do here. So again, if you enjoyed the episode, I appreciate you. I appreciate you tuning in. Please share it with somebody you think could also benefit from it so that we can get this message out to more people. But most importantly, thank you for your time and attention that you gave to this podcast. It means a lot to me. 